1: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
2: If you are one of those people sitting next to Chris Carlin on that flight, hopefully you're not going to have a bad day today. Hopefully you have a good day listening to Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Also catch us on your smart speaker. No, Canty, no, Carlin, today. I'm Gabe Knight, so along with Nick Fredell as we fill in for the guys today. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. And big news breaking this afternoon in the world of the NFL. We're on the eve. We're getting closer to the NBA playoffs starting. So, of course, the NFL has to do something big, you know, really to get something going, Nick. So, the Washington Commanders, uh, they are nearing a deal to sell the team. Now, who ends up getting the team still remains to be seen, but it appears around a $6 billion offer is the one that ultimately is going to be accepted by Dan Snyder. That reporting is being done uh, by, by John Kime, who's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. But when you look at how expensive, the, the price just keeps going up and up and up and up on these sports franchises, I... I I'm just shocked and stunned that $6 billion, it's, uh, by the way, valued at $5.6 by Forbes. So whoever ends up with this uh, franchise is going to be, I-, I guess, overpaying a little bit. But if people who already have that kind of money are willing to pay that money, my guess is they don't feel like they're overpaying if they're going to make that money back pretty easily.
1: It's shocking when you see all the numbers pop up, Gabe. But I go back to, and I think this was the trend that started it all, Steve Ballmer and the Clippers. A few years back, everybody looked at him and went, wait, 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 wait. This dude is paying $2 billion for the Clippers. <laughs> they don't even have their own arena. Of course, now he's getting one built as we speak. But once that price hit, in so many ways, I feel like it changed the structure of how things went for so many of these professional sports organizations. And when you have a team like the Commanders that has that type of history that is one of the name brand franchises in the NFL, which is the big behemoth in this country that everybody focuses on on all the time, the prices don't surprise me that much anymore. The only thing that I wonder is, at what point is even $6 a little too much? At what point, (laughs) Gabe, does the line in the sand... Happen and somebody goes, you know what? <laughs> this is just too crazy. I can't imagine this continuing to go up so much in price. But right now, six billion seems to be that new number.
2: Well, Tillman Fertita, who's actually he's in this club already. He owns a franchise. He's the owner of the Houston Rockets. He told CNBC on Wednesday that he put in a bid of 5.6 billion, which is the value that Forbes placed on the franchise, and he said he was not willing to go higher than that. So I guess one of these people who's already in the club not willing to go, but it, it, I can't imagine this is going to stop anytime soon. Now, like any other market, I mean I'm not, you know, and an economist by any stretch of the imagination, eventually there has to be a point where it stops. But I, it just makes my mind wander and think, all right, not that Jerry Jones ever would, but what if Jerry Jones actually put up the Cowboys for sale? Decided, you know, the kids aren't going to take over, I'm just going to cash out and, you know, have the largest bank account that I possibly can. Forbes put a, a, a value on the Cowboys at $8 billion, <laughs> But if, like, I got a feeling, like, we could get to $10 billion if the Cowboys actually ever went up for sale or something crazy like that. It it just seems like the numbers, it's all Monopoly money to me. Like, I have no idea. I mean, it all just sounds made up. But, like, could we see a team go for $10 billion in our lifetime at some point?
1: I think it's only a matter of time. And, Gabe, the Cowboys would be the pick because not only are they still America's team, much to so many people's chagrin, but... They're the team in this country that it seems like everybody knows. When you go overseas and people ask about football, it always starts with the Cowboys. But what we've seen, and this goes to your point, not just with Jerry Jones and not just what we're seeing with uh, the Harris Group and everything else, there are now different classes of billionaires in sports ownership. (laughs) Because... You've got, let's take baseball, you've got a bunch of quote-unquote billionaires, but nobody spends like Steve Cohen, or very few. I mean, Steve Cohen has set a new bar Mm -hmm. in not only owning a team, but how you're running it and what you're spending to bring the highest level talent in. This game has changed in the last 15 or 20 years. The NFL, the NBA, MLB, you've got to have such a huge bankroll to not only run your team and get ownership and a stake of a team, you've got to have it to continue to spend at the highest order because if not, your fan base is going to turn around on you and say, why aren't you spending like these other people are?
2: But what has to make, because Dan Snyder, who the previous owner, by all accounts, has a bunch of money, but what makes to me the NFL the most attractive of all these, like there's, I can only spend so much. Like in the NBA, it's a soft cap; you can go into the luxury tax and do all those things. Same thing with baseball. There's no, you know, there's kind of a soft cap with where you start getting hit with the penalties and the repeat offender taxes and and things of that nature. But in the NFL, it's hard. You get X amount of dollars, and that's all you get to spend on your players every year. So you know that's going to be capped. Plus, you have the best TV deal. Like it just seems. That's why NFL franchises are going to go for $6 billion. and the next one that comes up is going to go for more than that. But the commanders, and more importantly maybe because it seems like every other month there's something going on with Dan Snyder in terms of accusations being levied against him it seems like the league is finally going to be rid of this guy and they won't have the headache that is Dan Snyder.
1: Well, Gabe, you know there's a champagne celebration at the uh, the league offices right now in New York <laughs> City somewhere <laughs> because so many people are so sick of dealing with all oh, my goodness. the drama that surrounded this team. It, the focus was so far off this team for so long because so many people were just so completely sick and disgusted by all these stories and reports that kept coming out about Dan Snyder and his ownership group. So I think your point is spot on. When you watch how everything has developed, not only does the NFL feel like the, the most sacred of the billionaires' clubs right now, the key with so much of this to me is you've got billionaires who, so of course, they have egos. That's part of why they, they've reached this point in their professional careers But so many of these men and women, they want to be known. You want to be known in this country? Go buy an NFL team. Get shown on TV every single game and get discussed all the time. And uh, for so many people I've talked to who uh, are in this process of, of going through ownership changes, that's one of the things they point to. They say that these men and women want to be known as more than just, hey, I got a lot of money. They want to be known and they want to be seen. And the best way to do that is to get into the NFL and the cash cow and mega business that it is all the time.
2: I don't think it's just the league offices that are popping those bottles for <laughs> champagne. My guess is the fans of the Washington Commanders oh, are yeah. celebrating finally <laughs> being done with Dan Snyder. And hopefully they have an owner that can take them on a deep playoff run. Canty Carlin brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more.
1: Physically, I'm fine. Now it's just a matter of when I feel like Zion.
2: I think we're reaching that time for the
3: Pelicans to think about moving on from Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson is a myth at this point. I
1: think this comes a part point where the leadership of the front office have to come to the table and actually figure things out with this young man. I mean, he's trying to figure things out himself, but at the end of the day, they have to figure out what's the best way to get
2: him on the floor. KT Carlin, ESPN Radio, Gabe Neitzel, Nick Ferdell filling in for the guys today. The New Orleans Pelicans have been officially eliminated. They lost last night to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And i got to imagine one of the largest discourses that's going to happen this offseason, and it's going to start right now, is Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans. Nick, and Zion does not play at all last year because of the foot injury. Only ends up playing uh, 29 games this year as he continues to deal with a number you know, of injuries. and th- There's a lot of criticism being lobbed his way, a lot of questions. What's your number one question when it comes to Zion Williamson and his future in New Orleans?
1: Can you really trust that he's ever going to be out there consistently? And Gabe, having watched how this story has unfolded over the course of the last few years, I just feel bad. I feel bad for basketball fans because Zion is such a – An incredible talent. I feel bad for for Zion Williamson. He can't stay healthy, and when he's not healthy, it's so obvious that part of the issue is he is gaining all this weight, and that is filtering into why he can't maintain it when he does come back. It's just a bad cycle. But more than anything else, it's, it's just bad for the game. Zion was supposed to be the guy who casual fans knew and would tune in to watch. He was supposed to be that next star to carry the mantle after LeBron and Steph and KD started to age out. And he's not that guy. He's not that guy for the Pelicans. He's not that guy for any one of these teams. And so there's been chatter for a year and a half. Well, what should the Pelicans do with Zion? Can we really (laughs) trust him? Gabe, what team is sitting there saying, hey, bring us Zion? Everybody's human in this deal. Everybody knows that it's been a struggle for him to be out there on the floor, and that's why I don't, I don't care what happens over the summer. Zion has to prove to the league and to himself that he can be out there consistently for a whole season and be the dominant player that we've seen, and we haven't seen it in so long that there's no reason to believe right now that it can happen.
2: Here's Zion Williamson talking about when he feels like he's going to play again.
1: Physically, I'm fine. Now it's just a matter of, uh, when I feel like Zion. I know the atmosphere I'd be in, uh, based off like the playoff experience. Uh, so now it's just a matter of when I feel like Zion. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, it just sucks. Uh, I love this game. I say it over and over. For those people that think that I just want to sit on the sideline just to sit over there, I don't know why people think that. But uh, nah, it sucks. I just, I just want to be playing real.
2: So with Zion, there was a video that was circling on social media last night, Nick, about you know him kind of going through some warm up stuff, and you can see just that little bit. And, and Zion's a little bit of a heavier guy to begin with, but you can see he's got a little bit of that extra weight. And it, to me, I looked at that and I go, he just doesn't have the explosiveness. When you when you say, "I'll play when I feel like Zion again," that doesn't look like Zion. Yeah, I mean, could he have played? Sure, but. There's zero explosivity. There's not going to be what you expect when Zion Williamson is on the floor. If I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, I think I'm still just running the risk. And maybe it's because I'm scarred with what happened with Anthony Davis and the way he got out of the franchise. I I need somebody that I can draw talent in with. And if Zion is healthy, he's certainly that guy. And it's a roll of the dice. But I, I just don't know with the potential he still has. The dude's only 22 years old. He'll be 23 next year. So he's still a young potential superstar in this league. I'm holding on until I know for sure that Zion Williamson is, and the potential of him being one of the premier superstars in this league, is gone. Until that comes, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm not letting him go off my team.
1: Well, and Gabe, let's follow up there because part of the other issue is if you're the Pelicans, even if David Griffin in that front office wanted to move him, what are you getting back from him right yeah. now compared to what you would have gotten when he's healthy? He's got to show that he can be out there on the floor and, and be that force that we've seen until then. And this speaks to not only what you're saying, but what so many people in the league feel. They've got to hold on because you can't sell an asset who could be as great as Zion could be at the lowest point. And everybody in New Orleans, it seemed, for this whole time period since they drafted him, was hoping that it would work, was hoping that he could be the new face of this team, that they could move on from Anthony Davis and have that clean break. But what, with what he's shown, I don't see how you could move him in that I don't think you'd get enough back to make it worth your while.
2: Yeah, because I'm sure there's another team out there that would be willing to buy low going... Hey, no question. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the risk on that. I'll buy low on this guy, and then the, the payoff could be... That would be the biggest thing. That The biggest risk of trading him is you trade him away, and then he finally realizes that potential. The, the scary part is when people deal, especially in the NBA, Nick, and you know this, feet, when you are consistently dealing with foot injuries, that's scary. The only person that I can think of off the top of my head who's been able to kind of negotiate that has been the guy who's probably going to end up being the league MVP in Joel Embiid this year. Because there were questions on him early in his career. Can he stay healthy? Not to the level of of Zion for his first four years, but coming out of Kansas. Is this guy going to be able to stay healthy as he continues to grow? And and, and Embiid has been able to figure it out as he's gone along in the league. But for the most part, I feel when guys start to have foot injuries... It's just something that you're dealing with for almost their entire career.
1: No question. And Gabe, the thing that would scare me, and frankly, it scares me now when I watch him, when I saw the video uh, that you mentioned. When you are rehabbing from these injuries and instantly everybody goes, whoa, he packed on some weight. And this has been a theme now the last couple times. It's not just, oh, well, Zion's hurt and he's got to go through rehab. What happens is... Zion gets hurt, he gains a lot of weight, and so then he's got to drop the weight and then allow uh, the foot to heal. That is a a tough, tough cycle to get into as, as far as any player in the league would go, but especially a younger player where the expectations are so high. So I hope for him that he can come back and be the player that everybody knows he can At this point, though, I'm just not believing that that player is going to be there again. The Embiid comparison is very good, and it's fair. There were questions throughout. Can Embiid be the player that we think he can be? And there were people that didn't believe that because of the injuries. He has bounced back. He's on his way to winning an MVP this year. And he's going to continue, it appears, to keep playing at a high level for a long time. Zion has not been that guy the questions are only getting louder and when you see the weight pop on after each one of these injuries there are much bigger issues there than just a foot problem
2: yeah and it's it's that vicious cycle that you talk about you put on the weight and that well now you're putting more pressure on that weight and you're trying to work your way back and this is a really important summer and again, the discourse is probably going to get out of control at times this summer when it comes to Zion Williamson because he can be that much of a lightning rod because people believe he can be that special of a talent. But it's going to be a huge summer for him. If he shows up, if he's able to navigate and, and you know, not re-injure the foot at any point during this rehab during this summer, he said he's fully healthy. So now to me, if he drops that weight, gets some of that explosiveness back and shows up next October with the New Orleans Pelicans – like, that's going to be such a huge step forward for him that hopefully he can continue to go forward, stay healthy, and be the superstar we've all seen him be in glimpses. But that's not what the NBA is about. You can't be it in glimpses. There has to be a level of consistency there with Zion Williamson. Coming up next here on Cantia Carlin, we're going to have the latest on what's going on with the commanders and their potential sale. That's next on Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio
4: the ESPN app.
0: Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
1: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
2: Canty and Carlin. ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Gabe Notchel. He's Nick Friedel as we fill in for the guys today on Canty and Carlin. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Big story of the day is the Washington Commanders potentially closing in on a sale Is Dan and Tanya Snyder nearing a deal that would pretty much get them $6 billion. To help us break down that deal, we welcome in John Kime, ESPN Commanders reporter. And John, you've got the story up right now at ESPN.com, and it appears that the favorites... Are Josh Harris the, the group led by Josh Harris? He's the co-owner of the 76 Sixers and the New Jersey Devils. Is that still the case? Are they the favorites? It's kind of pointing in the direction of their bid is the one that's going to get accepted.
3: Yes, yes, that is the case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve Apostolopoulos is is the other is probably the other uh, is the, is the other person in this situation. Um, but Harris certainly right now is is definitely the favorite.
1: John, I remember talking to Kevin Durant, of all people, in November about this. (laughs) And the first person out of his mouth was Jeff Bezos. Why, from what you know, wasn't Bezos more involved in making a a bid to acquire the team?
3: Well, (sighs) so I think there's a lot there. And what we knew is it would always be difficult for him to win that bidding because there are certainly bad feelings by the Snyders toward Bezos, who owns the Washington post, which had a huge role in a bunch, broke a lot of stories on the investigative side about the situation with Washington and over the last few years. So that, you know, so that you can go from there and know why he probably would have had to have overpaid maybe by a substantial amount to get the team. So I think that you start there. And I know his side felt like they were being blocked from the bidding And you know, you heard that in mid March. I know people on the other side said that wasn't the case. So, but that I do think like that played a big role in this, just that, just knowing that it would be difficult for him to get it, there, you know, Seattle's going to come free as a, a to, to buy in the next year or so. so. I think you know that would certainly be another team that he could go pursue if he really does want to own a team. And so I think all of that added up to him. Finally, yesterday we heard that he was not going to put a bid on. And until you know, there were there were definitely people involved in this who who liked their chances, but who would say you know, Bezos is still out there. And until he comes out and says he's not going to put a bid on, they were, they, I don't know if they worried about him, but they still wondered about him. But, and yesterday we heard that he wasn't going to put a bid on.
2: Talking with John Kime, ESPN Commander's reporter, uh, Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Gabe Neitzel, Nick Ferdell filling in for the guys. Why is the group led by Josh Harris the right group for Dan Snyder to sell to?
3: Well, I think they they have Josh Harris and then Mitchell rails. They have a combined net worth of over $11 billion. So they have the ability to put up the 30% to to get the franchise. And then you're going to have, you're going to have to invest in a new stadium. That's going to be, that'll be probably priority. Number one, from a business standpoint is that so you're, and you're going to need probably at least a billion dollars to do that. So they have that, you know, my, clearly my understanding is that they have that ability to do that. I also think just from the other perspective is that they have, you know, um, Josh Harris has, has experience running sports franchise. And, you know, during this process, you talk to people throughout about, you know, what it takes to be a good owner and what some mistakes that guys make when they come in the league. And one of it is, Just because you're a good businessman doesn't mean you're an expert in the sports business. It is very different. And so I think like, so from that standpoint, they have experience in knowing how to run a sports franchise. So will that give them a big edge? I mean, I think that's one reason why just from, if you're a fan, um, that's one of the benefits. I don't know that fans, you know, that that's what they want the most, especially here. They want someone who's going to come in and who isn't going to be a big time meddler because this is their first, chance to run a team so i think from that standpoint that probably helps them but they do have in the have of magic johnson as part of the group as well so they have a lot of capital tied to their group
1: john when gabe and i opened the show we were joking that people in the league offices were popping champagne bottles but all across the nfl to be rid of dan snyder you cover this team every day and have for a long time. How ready for were the people within the organization ready for the change at the top given everything that's occurred? Well, I think what they're ready
3: for as much as anything, just a to escape the constant drumbeat of negativity that comes with working for this franchise right now. And that's what it's been over the last several years. And so I think that part, people are absolutely ready to move on from because like there are people there who say like we're doing good things and people don't notice because of this. And it, they, they're just told, just keep doing it, just keep doing it. So I think they're, I think they feel good about the fact that they can get back to operating in a normal, in a normal fashion. And from a business standpoint, they feel, they feel good that they'll get more sponsors. They'll sell more sweets. For example, on the football side, I think, you know, what they like is that they like the roster they're building and that the attention will start to shift back to on the field and the players won't have to answer questions about, hey, your owner is being investigated for this. What do you think? How much of a distraction is that? They can they can be done with all those questions. So there's a lot of, I think, just ready to about. It's not – and keep in mind, like, Dan Snyder signs big checks for a lot of people over there. So it's not like they all – I mean, think not like they all hate them, you know, and but I think they're ready to be past this episode or this chapter in their in their tenure there, no doubt. No doubt whatsoever.
2: John Kime, ESPN Commanders reporter joining us here on Cantate Carlin ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Gabe Nigel, Nick Firdell filling in for the guys. Before we let you go, John, what are the next steps and how long will it take to finalize the sale to have the Snyders actually out of Washington?
3: That's a good question, and I well First. So again, the deal hasn't been finalized and you know um, what I mean, some people have used agreed to in principle. The bottom line is it hasn't been finalized and it has to be submitted to the league for approval. Once that goes there, then the league can start the vetting process and then they can vote at the league. And that takes, that can take at least a month, maybe a little bit longer. So then they can vote at the, at the May meetings in Minnesota the other owners can vote to approve or not approve. So that's, so we won't, let's say this, let's say we hear it's finalized in the next several days, a week or whatever, however long that takes, because there's a lot of, there's still T's to cross, I's to dot, et cetera. Let's say we find out next week, then the next step is end of May. And that's when they would vote. And I think one of the benefits to the Harris group is that the other owners are familiar with them because they went through the process in Denver Um, and so I think that helps them, but there's still going to be a lot for the other owners to, to look over the, the finance committee has to go over a lot of the finances, et cetera. And then they present their findings to the rest of the owners and then they vote. So that will be in, I think it's May 22nd to the 24th. That's when the meetings are scheduled for that's when we'll get the final, final resolution and then it'll be over.
2: John, we certainly appreciate the time and appreciate the effort that you have put together putting this story up at ESPN.com.
3: Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it.
2: John Kime, ESPN Commanders reporter. Again, you can get more details on what's going into the potential sale and hopefully sale soon if you're a Commanders fan of the Washington Commanders franchise. Again, that's up at ESPN.com. Coming up next, we stick in the NFL because the Ravens officially welcomed their new weapon to town but does it have any bearing on the future of their estranged quarterback? We dive into that next. Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app.
1: Carlin, the podcast.
2: Sometimes when you're making a free agent decision, I feel it matters who your teammates are going to be. Sometimes all that matters is the money. Going to be interesting to see how we feel about what Odell Beckham Jr. decided when he decided with the Ravens as he was officially announced as the newest member of the franchise in Baltimore Today. This is Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM channel lady. I'm Gabe Nigel, along with Nick Friedell as we fill in. And $18 million, or excuse me, $15 million guaranteed can get up to $18 million for the single season contract that Odell Beckham Jr. has signed. And he was introduced to the media today in Baltimore and He sat down, was asked clearly about Lamar Jackson. Thankfully, the PR staff from Baltimore allowed questions about Lamar Jackson today After during a press conference last week about the draft. They were not taking any questions about Lamar. But Odell today addressed whether or not he was concerned about the quarterback situation for the Ravens.
0: I mean, if you look at the other situations I was going into, the, everything was uncertain. Like I say, life's uncertain. Obviously, I would assume that it's going to work out, that faith and that hope. Lamar, I know if you're watching, you know, you know I would love to, to love to get to work with you. I'll, I'll talk to these guys over here and, uh, you know, hopefully that gets done. You know, I, I think, think about the Ravens. You definitely think about Lamar and I know that that's something, you know, I was excited about that possibility and life's not certain.
2: Now, $15 million, though, is certain. This seems to me it wasn't about, oh, I'm going to get to play with Lamar Jackson. This is not a sign to me, Nick, that this Lamar Jackson situation is going to solve itself anytime soon. I, I think this was just an isolated, hey, we're going to go out there, and hopefully this entices Lamar to come back to the table and we can figure something out, but... I think ultimately Odell just could not turn down the $15 million guaranteed.
1: I was going to say life's uncertain, Gabe, but when those checks start clearing every two weeks, everything feels a lot better when you're making that kind of dough uh, doing what, what uh, Odell is doing. When I saw that this deal was going to go down, and I view this through the NBA prism because that's what I've lived for 15 years now. There is no way when you get to the level that Odell Beckham Jr. is at in the NFL and you believe in yourself and you still believe after all the injuries you are a star in the league that he didn't call Lamar Jackson up and say, hey, man, is this going to get finished up at some point here before training camp? Are you all going to work it out? Uh, I know the money is huge, and after being out as long as he has – There is a financial part of this, and I thought he answered it as best he could in that moment. But there's just not a doubt (laughs) to me (laughs) that eventually, given all the hoops that both sides have gone through, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, for all these months, and how much it would take for another team to make it happen, and how little movement we've seen on that front— I believe Lamar Jackson will be back with the Ravens, and I believe he'll be throwing passes to Odell Beckham. My question, Gabe, is when Odell's back on the field, what kind of player is he after all the time he's been off?
2: That's the complicated part because in terms of weapons that Lamar has had when he's been in Baltimore, Hollywood Brown had a good year before he was traded away to the Arizona Cardinals last season. Clearly, Mark Andrews has been one of the better tight ends in the league in his time in Baltimore, but they haven't had that real consistent number one type guy that Odell Beckham Jr. has been in his past. And I just don't see Odell being that guy. Having two, it, it's different having one ACL versus two ACLs mm-hmm. and then having to miss an entire year. It's going to take him a while to kind of hit the ground running, figure everything else out again. The knee may be feeling great, and then he goes through training camp, and that's fine. But then he goes out there and realizes, oh, yeah, this game's a little bit quicker than maybe I remember because I've been out of it for so long at this point. I, if Odell ever gets back to that top of the line, top five receiver in the league, I'll be a little surprised. Right now, I I look at him kind of as a number two, and he flourished in that role pre knee injury when he was with the Rams in that Super Bowl run that they had. Cooper Cup was a tremendous one, and all that attention allowed OBJ to do you know some of the things that allowed him to get open and have that big first half in the Super Bowl in which the Rams won, and allowed OBJ to get that ring. I just don't see him being one of the elite wide receivers, being on the wrong side of 30, coming off of two injuries to the same knee.
1: Well, Gabe, part of it is also he's so big and physical, but he always had that extra step. There was always Mm -hmm. that extra gear. And to what you're saying, when you take that away, especially for a receiver of Odell's caliber, when you're watching him play, He was always a step in front of everybody else and a little bit taller than everybody else and and making the moves that he needed uh, in order for uh, the Rams the last time we saw him. But before that, the Giants to be successful. I just think it's a nice fit for him if Lamar Jackson is coming back. If he's not, and you just kind of have Odell Beckham Jr. out there... (laughs) I don't see why you're rolling the dice for $15 million because the point would be bring this guy in. He's won. He knows what to do. If you don't have your star quarterback in place, you're just kind of spinning your wheels.
2: Yeah, and you can talk yourself into, okay, Mark Andrews has been good enough, much like uh, in Kansas City. The, the number one option is Travis Kelsey. That, mm-hmm. That's why they could afford to lose Tyreek Hill and trade him away to the Miami Dolphins, still have solid receivers around Kelsey, and go win a Super Bowl. And maybe you convince yourself, if you're Eric DeCosta, the Ravens GM, that, okay, Mark Andrews, he'll be the number 1. OBJ can compliment him. Maybe we can find another weapon or two in the draft to continue to insert some weapons and, and some really good outside players into this offense. But if you don't have that engine, make all the, uh, well, but Tyler Huntley was a Pro Bowler jokes you want. That guy's not the future of the franchise ah, in Baltimore. Still,
1: just... They still hit. <laughs> they, they still hit. They
2: still hit. <laughs> Yeah, oh. okay at least at least somebody still appreciates those jokes <laughs> i i just
1: i when i saw this deal happen i went all right this feels like things are getting closer and if you're lamar jackson and we heard beckham in that clip say hey lamar if you're watching i'm here it reminded me when scotty pippen was sitting on the bench and he pulled up his oh. jordan <laughs> and he said hey come back we know you're out there come back i'm i'm ready to roll the thing that would get me is if Lamar comes back and they work it out and Beckham is still that guy, do you believe that the Ravens can have the type of title success that they're accustomed to?
2: I think they can, and maybe that's because I'm such a big fan of Lamar, and I just think that he is such a special talent. And, yes, he's the last couple of seasons he's unable to bend to be healthy, to be there for his team at late in the season when they needed him the most – But I think he's special enough where if you get him a weapon and OBJ is that good and he can stay in the pocket a little bit more and get the ball in his hands, I think that Ravens offense can really get humming. And even in a stacked AFC, I think they can make noise.
1: I do too. I believe in Lamar Jackson. I just wonder if all the drama that has gone on for so long is going to have a big mark on that locker room at some point.
2: Yeah, even if he even if he comes back to the Ravens, there's still clearly some issues that yep. are going to have to be moved past before they really start humming the way they were the season he won an MVP. Coming up next, two franchises await a decision that could have a big impact on their futures. We'll let you know what that is next. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin Podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app.
4: Canty and Carlin, the podcast.